We are on Ksubis, the very last line of Tezayin Mubez, 16b4 in the art scroll. Moving on to Yedzayin Amadal of 17a1 in the art scroll. And we were just discussing different things that they would do at a wedding, uh, if it was a first marriage or a second marriage. And so the Gemara now goes on a bit of a tangent. Um, and one of the most famous uh, Gemaras out there, it's, uh, it's a song that we sing Probably almost at, uh, let's say, at many Jewish weddings, they sing the song um, of Kates and Merakdin Lifnei Akala. And it comes from this Gemara, Tanarabanan, it's taught in a bright side, Kates and Merakdin Lifnei Akala. How do we dance in front of the Kala, in front of the bride? Now, let's stop for a second because, uh, wait a minute, why only the bride? Uh, we know that um, uh, there seems to be a mitzvah also to. to uh, bring joy both to the bride and to the groom. The uh, chassan, the groom, is referred to as a king, and that we have to praise him, and that there's a there's a concept of of having hana, of enjoying yourself in front of the chassan, in front of the in front of the groom. So it's unclear why it's specifically in front of the bride. Maybe the dancing is in front of the bride, but the uh, mitzvah, the obligation to provide enjoyment is for both of them. But either way, it says, how do we dance in front of the bride? And the truth is, is that the dancing here is referring to talking, perhaps things that we say during the dancing. And there's a dispute here. How do we praise the kala? How do we praise the bride? Beishamai Omrim, now moving on to 17a1, to Yudzayna Manalaf, Beishamai says, kala kamoshihi, we praise the bride as she is. We'll explain what this means in a second. Beishamai Omrim, Basil says, and this is the, the wording that we have in the song, Kala Na'ave Chasuda, that uh, she's Na'ave Chasuda, she's beautiful and charming, uh, that we praise her, um, and that is the opinion of Basil. So what 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 are Beishamai and Basil, what are they referring to here? Um, Basil seems to be saying that no matter what, we say the words Kala Na'ave Chasuda. We say that she's beautiful and charming. We don't go into specifics. That's, the, that's what we say for all every bride. Why? Because if you go into specifics, so then maybe you'll leave stuff out uh, or that might not apply to her and she'll get embarrassed. Uh, we're concerned that uh, by saying only some things, there's, there's never a way to say everything. And so therefore she could feel insulted. He could be insulted. The groom could be insulted about what you say about his wife, uh, his bride. Um, and so in order to cover all bases, as, as we're going to see in the Gemara, Basil's of the opinion that just say Kala Nava Chasuda, say that she's beautiful and charming, um, and that would and that would that would suffice. Uh, that's the position of Basil. That's the, that's how we follow. And that's what the song says. Beishamai is um, disagrees. He says Kala Shehi, say it the way it is. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean? Say it the way it is. Let's say, what happens if you feel that uh, she's not beautiful. So then, what does it mean say say that you should say the bride is as she is? Um, so there's different opinions. Uh, some opinions say that well, just focus on the good, and just focus on what what's good. Find some good qualities, some trait that she has, and focus on that. Uh, that's what some say. Others say that no, that uh, you have to actually keep quiet. You cannot say anything. You have to you have to keep quiet um, because. Uh, better to better to keep quiet than to say some things and leave out other things to sort of actively leave out other things. So it's better to just keep quiet altogether. What is this rooted around? What is this based upon? 
So this is a question of whether or not you're allowed to lie, bend the truth, lie for the sake of peace. For the sake of peace, this is Mishan Abnei Shalom. Are you allowed to lie in order to, uh, for Shalom bias, for peace in the home, in order so that the husband and wife, they appreciate each other, they see, that look how other people are praising them. So Beishamai seems to side, we'll, we'll sort of qualify this in a second, but he seems to side on uh, trying to be honest, that we should be as honest as possible. And Basil says that, no, you're allowed to just say, for everybody, say that she's beautiful and charming for, for all brides. And that essentially you are sort of uh, bending the truth a bit. Amr lehen Beisham el Beisil. Beisham says to Beisil, how could you say what you're saying? Let's say she has certain deficiencies. Uh, so then, Umr la kala neva chasudah. You're going to tell her that she's kala neva chasudah, that she's still beautiful. Vatur Amr, midvar shakir tirchak. We're not allowed to lie. You have to distance yourself from lying. It's actually interesting that it says specifically, it doesn't say you're not allowed to lie. It says that you have to distance yourself from lying. That So that can be taken in one of two ways. It could be either distance yourself that this is even worse than a regular prohibition. It doesn't just say that you're not allowed to. It says distance yourself. Go even further. Or perhaps it's saying distance yourself because maybe there are times when you're actually allowed to lie. It doesn't say do not lie because there are times when you're allowed to lie. Either way, uh, the verse says distance yourself. So Beishamah says you can't lie. If you can't lie, you can't lie. Amlan Beishelah Beishamah. Beishelah responds back to Beishamah. Ledivreichem. Mishelakach mekach ramen ashok. Basil says to Beishama, he says, I understand, according to what you're saying, if somebody t- buys, they, they purchase something from the market, um, so are you going to say that it was a good purchase or are you going to say that it's a bad purchase? So if it's, you know, if the deal is done, you're going to say it's good. You're going to praise them. You're not going to say that it's bad. It's just, it's just what's the point? Uh, what, what's the uh, what's the purpose in that? So if they already got married, so then you're allowed to you're allowed to lie for the sake of peace. It's permissible to lie for the sake of peace. Um, and this is why the, this from this statement of Beis Hillel, uh the Chacham said the sages say that you should you should know what other people are thinking and figure out what's the right thing to say to that person. You have to figure out what's the right thing to say. So just a few points on this before we continue on in the Gemara. It's a fascinating Gemara. Um, there's there's a question of well, ultimately Beishama he agrees that you're you're allowed to lie for the sake of peace. There's a separate Gemara that we had already in Yevamos, in Tractate Yevamos, which uh, says that even Hashem himself, God himself, uh, lied for the sake of peace, and that peace overrides truth. So what what is Beishamai saying? So perhaps an explanation for Beishamai is that it's true. There are times and situations where you're allowed to lie. It can't become something which is consistent. We cannot create a decree. The rabbis cannot say, every wedding, at every wedding, you could go out of your way to go and lie. That Beisham is not, it says we can't go that far. It's true. It's allowed at times. There are exceptions. In general, you have to be a true person, true with your words. Uh, and But there are times when there's exceptions for peace that you're allowed to lie. But to create a situation where consistently at every wedding where somebody's going to lie, that we're not that we're not willing to do, and perhaps that is the position. Bishamay Basil says no. Even so, even so, you're still allowed to lie. But perhaps that is that is that could be um, what they are arguing about. Uh, one other point, uh, a very important point, is that, um, and this is come this comes from the Rashash, one of the classic commentators, uh, one of the uh, later commentators. I apologize, but he's found in the uh, in the Talmud itself, in the in the back of the Talmud. 
he says, why does it say, why does Basil say, according to your words, what are you going to, you're going to tell someone, tell me that uh, somebody makes a purchase and uh, you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to praise them. You're not going to praise the purchase. It, what's done is done. Um, so there's a discussion. Why is it according to your words? There's a discussion at the end of Gittin, the tractate that discusses divorce, where Beis Shammai says the only time you're allowed to divorce, this is not the opinion of others, but the only time that you're allowed to divorce is if you find something wrong um, when it comes to uh, immoral sexual behavior on the part of your spouse. That's the only time, which means he's very limiting as opposed to the other opinions. He's very, very limiting, which means that ultimately... Uh, it's going to be very difficult to get out of this situation. It's going to be very difficult to get divorced. So Beis Hillel is saying to Beis Shammai, according to what you're saying, your own opinion that it's very difficult to get divorced, so then how would you not praise the the bride? Uh, you want them to, to, to for them to see that other people are praising them. Uh, the, the, the husband should see that uh, they're praising his wife. Um, because it's impossible, it's nearly, it's very difficult to get out of this situation. And so this idea, this principle would apply in many circumstances. So let's say, for example, um, there, there are different examples that I brought down. Uh, one example is you go to, uh, to a doctor um, and a person has a bad doctor. So do you tell them, if you know that it's a bad doctor, do you tell them it's a bad doctor? Well, it depends. Do they have the ability to change doctors now or do they not have the, or, or ever? Do they have that ability to change doctors or not in this, in this situation? Um, so it's, a, it's an important point that's mentioned by this Rishash. Okay, let's continue on. The Gemara continues and says uh, other points that, that happen at a wedding. This is how they would sing in front of the bride in Israel. They would say, Forget about the makeup and the blush and the hair braids. She still radiates with grace. She still has this grace. It's uh, this inner grace that she has. And, and look at look look how uh, beautiful of a person she is. Um, they would also use the same line with regards to rabbis. When they ordained, when they gave smicha, when they ordained Reb Zira as a rabbi, they would say the following about him: Reb Zira was not a not a fancy person. He didn't out, outwardly. Uh, it's not about his outward appearance. He wasn't. Uh, it was about the inside that uh, within him, within him, that it was about the inside within him uh, about Reb Zera. That's what they would say about him when he received his rabbinic ordination. Okay, other things that they would say at an ordination: When the rabbis are ordained as a rabbi, Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, two rabbis from the days of the Talmud, this is what they, this is how they would praise them: Anybody who's like these people, uh, so then they deserve to become rabbis. Anybody who's like these people, they should become rabbis. Don't, we shouldn't make rabbis people who distort the law. They give bad uh, uh, logic, logical arguments. Um, people who it's referred to here as rags, they don't, they don't give good reasons. Uh, people who only study a, a portion of what they're supposed to study, they don't study well. Um, uh, and Veloman Tormisin, Rashi says he doesn't know exactly what this is, but it could be um, that that people who have to study many, many times and they still don't understand. Basically, you have to you have to appoint people who they know what they're talking about. You have to have somebody who knows what they're talking about. Rabbi Vo, when he would go from his academy 
to the house of the Caesar. He would visit the the Caesar uh, with regards to communal issues. They would praise him with the following: Rabadame, prince of the, of his of his people. Not only was he a prince of his people, meaning for himself that he was a Torah scholar, he was a leader. He cared about everybody else. He cared about the nation. But Sinedin Ahura, he is as radiant as a lit candle. Brich Masyach Lishlam. May your arrival be in peace. And this is how they would praise the rabbi, Rabbi Avo, as he would go to the uh, to the Caesar. Okay, other stories. Now, those were some stories about ordination. Now we get back to stories about dancing in front of the, the bride. They said about Rabbi Huda Barilai, who was a, a great Torah scholar, um, and he was an elder. But nevertheless, he would dance in front of the bride. He took a uh, a myrtle branch. Why a myrtle branch? A myrtle branch in Hebrew was referred to as hadas. Uh, hadas is that's the Hebrew word, which is similar to the word hadasa. Hadassah, which we say is was Esther, Queen Esther's name in the Perm story. And Queen Esther is referred to as somebody who was the most beautiful of all women, yet she was green. It describes her as green because that we're referring to the inner beauty. When we talk about them, it's referring to their inner beauty, and that provides this chain, this grace uh, that she has. Next story. Moving on to uh, 17.82 in the Art Scroll. He would dance juggling three myrtle branches. And Amr Abzeir, Abzeir said about him, uh, He's embarrassing himself. You can't do this. You're embarrassing yourself. When the person who's who juggling, he passed away. There was a pillar of fire that separated him from everyone else, showing great honor towards him. This only happened to, to one or two in a generation, that they would have this fire that, that would come out that separated between the two of them. So Rebzera realized that uh, he said something wrong. It was not the right thing to. Uh, it was not the right thing to to to, to say and to accuse him of because look at this great uh, this great person. He really uh, didn't embarrass himself. So Amr Rebzera Rebzera therefore said, "Ahani um, His branch helped him out. That the small branch helped him achieve this honor. Amr uh, That his foolishness helped him. That the elder's opinion was was correct. He's basically saying three different ways of saying that this elder was correct. Now, what exactly is the back and forth? Is that uh, we know that a Torah scholar, he's allowed to forego his honor. He's allowed to forego his honor. However, he's not allowed to uh, put a disgrace. He's not allowed to embarrass himself. And so Abzera thought that he was embarrassing himself by juggling. And since this is for the purpose of the mitzvah of giving, uh, allowing the, the the bride and the groom to 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 have joy. Uh, so therefore, it's not viewed as embarrassing himself, and so therefore, it was allowed. Another case: Rav Acha Markivla Akasve Umarakid. Rav Acha put the bride on his shoulders. Some say that it doesn't mean his shoulders; it means on a chair. Either way, Amalei Rabbanon, the Rabbanon said, "How could you do this? You can't put the bride on your shoulders. It's it's immodest." Anan Mahu Lamavid Are we allowed to do this also? Amalei, he said to them, "E below lo." If he was on such a high level of, of holiness and purity. He said, when she's on my shoulder, it's like a beam on my shoulder. I get absolutely no pleasure, no benefit from it. If you're of that if you're of that t- stature, you could do it. If not, not. And uh, the commentators point out that nobody is on, on such a stature today. And that's why the rabbis themselves, they ask the question, how could you do this? Because it was it was, uh, it was not common at all in their day either. Uh, one last one last story about this. Amr Rishmol Bar Nachmini, Amr Yonasan, 
It's permissible to not just look. Histakel is not just to look at, but it's to gaze, to gaze with uh, with pleasure. It says he says you're allowed to gaze with pleasure at the bride during the entire Sheva Brachos, during the entire seven days, so that uh, the husband sees that people uh, view her as as beautiful. But we don't follow this. We don't we don't actually follow this. Uh, we, we shouldn't go so far. Look is one thing, but to, to gaze with uh, intent, uh, that is something which is which is not allowed. Uh, there is a big discussion. We're not going to get into the details right now, but when they get married, she has the veil over her face. So the witnesses actually have to see it. There's a question, how much do they have to see of her? Could they assume that it's her? They know she's the only one wearing the uh, uh, the, the the wedding gown. Uh, so uh, there are those who are stringent to say that they have to actually see. They have to uncover... Uh, the veil to move the veil to see her face uh, before the actual wedding, so that the witnesses they know for sure that this is that this is her. But that itself is a big discussion. Okay, the Gemara now moves on to other interesting topics about uh, about uh, the bride and uh, what we do for the bride. If you have two, there are two two or three situations where we sort of escort somebody. So one situation is. The bride, we escort the bride from her home to the to the hall, and the other place is when we escort the levaya, when when uh, by a burial, uh, the the deceased, and they're both coming. So who goes first? So we say that the the bride goes first. The bride goes ahead. the The whole group that's escorting the bride, they go first ahead of the ahead of the uh, ahead of the deceased. Now it's interesting because uh, when we have to pick, the Gemara says elsewhere that if you have to pick between the two, where should you go? We say it's better to go to a funeral than to a wedding, because it's so much more meaningful to go to a funeral. You you figure out you you learn a lot about life by going to a funeral. Uh, but when in terms of honoring, so one of the opinions explains that we honor those who are living ahead of those who who have already passed away, and so therefore we honor the bride. Both of them, if they come in conflict to a Jewish king, if a Jewish king is being escorted, we let the Jewish king go first. So Amar Lavar Al and. Nevertheless, there was a story about King Agrippas that he was once walking and he let a bride go first and the, and the sages praised him. So Shibchuhu, they praised him. But how did he do the right thing? We know that there's a principle that a king cannot forego his honor. He doesn't have the right to forego. It's not his honor. It's the people's honor. So the king doesn't have the right to do that. The king cannot say that the bride... Uh, should go first. So how is he allowed to do this? There has to be a certain awe of the king. And the, uh, there's a pasuk, there's a verse that says they have to have awe of the king. The king cannot forego that. So moving on to 1783, the, the Gemara answers, it was a crossroads. And so therefore, it was not apparent that the king was allowing her to go first. It was, she just, he made it in a way where she went first. But it wasn't that the king was giving permission for her to go first. And in such a scenario there, he's allowed to forego. And that's why he was praised for it. Uh, because it wasn't reducing his honor. At the same time, he was allowing the bride uh, to go first. Okay, let's continue on. Tanara banan. A few more, a few more lines here in the Gemara. We turn Bryson We have to be um, mevatel. We uh, interrupt Torah study uh, for the following things. Any time that you're necessary uh, for a mitzvah, so then you have to you have to stop if you're necessary. This is a whole separate topic, which we discussed in the past in Moed Katan. But in this case. If you're necessary for uh, to escort and the, the the deceased and also to be part of that group that 
escorts the kala, the bride, to the wedding, everybody has to uh, stop their learning for it. And we're going to see that uh, how many people you need at a wedding until uh, how many people is it enough? Is it sufficient? Uh, what do we mean by this? Every, single, every wedding in every every city, you have to go to every single wedding? The answer is no. Uh, seem, it seems as though if it's in front of you, if you see the wedding in front of you, so then you should participate in the wedding. You can't say, ah, oh, I'm studying Torah, I can't participate. It's right in front of you, so then you have to participate. The same Rabbi Yudah Bar-Lai, he would also, he would stop his Torah study for escorting the deceased to to, their, to his or her burial and also to escorting the bride to her wedding. When do we say this? When do we say this? This is only if there's not sufficient amount of people. If we have enough people, so then he doesn't have to stop. Stop. Uh, what is enough people? What, is, what does it mean to have sufficient numbers of people to honor the deceased? You have to have 18,000 people, 12,000 men, and then 6,000 announcers. Or maybe just 12,000 people. A huge amount, a huge amount of people um, that are coming, and you have to be part of it. Again, perhaps it only means they have to be part of it if it's in your presence. It doesn't mean they have to go to every single funeral. Uh, other opinions. That there's a line from the town gate, from the beginning of the town all the way to the cemetery. Another interesting point in Tilasa Kinesinasa, that the, the removal of the Torah should be just as we, it was given. Just like we received the Torah, Mantinesinasa Kibishishim Riboy, it was with 600,000 people. The max until you have to, you could be able to stop studying Torah is 600,000, 600,000 people, because every person who passes away, it's like a safer Torah, it's like a Torah scroll that's being buried. A beautiful idea uh, that we are, each person is their own Torah scroll. Through the lives that they've lived, they've, they've turned into a, the holiness of a Torah scroll. We find this elsewhere also that if, uh, just like when a Torah scroll falls, you have to, you have to, if you're in that presence, you have to rip your clothing, you have to tear kriya, rip your clothing. So too, if you're in the presence of somebody who passes away, for the same reason, because a person is compared to a Torah scroll. And so, the, finally, the last few lines: This rule only applies to somebody who has uh, studied the Torah but not teach it to others. However, Somebody who has studied and they've taught it to others, they've taught Torah to others, then there's no limit. There's no limit to the number of people that should attend the funeral. Again, the requirement perhaps is only if it's right in front of you, that you cannot ignore it and that you have to attend the funeral. Okay, some very interesting and fascinating Gemara's here. We will continue with the Gemara in the next recording.